Y'all know what time it is? S to the E to the A to the N, I to the E, dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Christmas special, Shawnee's Comedy Suggast. This episode is brought to you in association with Soda Water and Lime, the drink of choice for shit comedians. <laughs> Sponsored by Honda. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very shit edition of the Shawnee Comedy Sodcast for Christmas 2013. Yes, it's the final edition of the Shawnee Sodcast for this year. Oh, isn't that sad? Okay, now most of this has been recorded already live at the Comedy Cunt Collective Christmas Gathering at the Chandos, St. Martin's Lane, London, WC2. It was a wonderful event, populated by a great percentage of the active members of the Comedy Cunt Collective. If you're a cunt and you'd like to join the Comedy Cunt Collective, go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash London dot comedy. Many different topics were discussed. Topics of mutual interest to hard-working open micers. No special guest in the studio this week. So, Sodcast listeners, strap in as we go live to the Chandos for the Collective Christmas Sodcast. Welcome to the Shawnee Sodcast Comedy Bollocks Wank. Live from the Chandos, the Collective Christmas Do. I'm here with the Comedy Collective. Collective, how are you this evening? Hello. The Comedy Collective, ladies and gentlemen, has spoken. Um, right, we've got a question now. Uh, a very interesting question. A collective, what is your question? Who on the uh, TV has come up, comedians, has come up through the open mic scene as opposed to who has got on TV because their father is uh, well-known or something? Mm, yeah, very interesting question. Which popular TV comedian has come up the way the open mic comics think they're coming up. Mm, yes. Um, can I answer that in a very succinct way, Michael? Yes. Uh, none of them. That, that is what I feared. I think we're all wasting our time here, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think maybe the open mic circuit is um, a circuit, as in uh, a vicious circle of uh, open micers, open miking, um, and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe they're all wasting their time. Is it, so it seems to be an entity in itself? Yeah, I guess it's a bit like the karaoke scene, you know, there are, there are rock stars, pop stars, and there are karaoke singers, um, just as there are, uh, there are comics, comedians, successful uh, movie stars, and uh, open micers. So it's a bit more like the tribute band circuit. Uh, yeah, I think 99% of it, perhaps. I mean, uh, there's probably one or two that are talented enough um, and good enough to transcend the uh, fuckwittery of the open mic scene um, and maybe make it into something lucrative, uh, rewarding, uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I can think of a few, but I can count them on one hand. Can you? Can you think of anyone that, that you would see on television in a few years' time? I, I think a lot of them could be on TV, but my point is, it, it's it doesn't appear to be the route to get there. That's right. What do you think the route to get there would be then? 
Well, for example, Mike McIntyre's father was involved in television, the same as Jack Whitehall's father was involved in television. Although the public didn't know of these people prior, it's helped them get, get in. Yeah, so in, in essence, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Who you're related to. Yeah, who you're related to. So you think it's uh, essentially a, a huge boys club? Yes. Not a girls club? No, definitely Definitely not girls. Why not girls? Come on, say what's on your mind. Don't hold back. There does seem to be a hell of a lot of male comedians on panel shows. Yeah, there's a couple of girls. Uh, there's a couple of funny girls. Do you, do, you, do you think girls are funny or are you a misogynist? No, there are, there are funny girls. I, I think they might perhaps pick the wrong ones to represent the female comedians yeah 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 uh what i can think of um actually one of my favorite comedians who i think is definitely going to make it is a young lady called kate lucas um who's a brilliant musical comedian have you ever seen kate lucas seen her many times actually and i know her quite well i i think she's actually been signed to uh, the comedy cafe management um she's doing sort of regular gigs there and stuff and i i would put money on her being a kind of Victoria Wood type successful mainstream media comic in the future, definitely. Well, she is a musical comedian as opposed to a stand-up, definitely, isn't she? She, I think, uh, with a guitar on the cages that I've seen her. Yeah, and she's also fucking mind-splittingly funny. I mean, I've, I've literally cried during her performances. Tears of happiness. <laughs> she is very good. She's very good, definitely. Um, so th- I, I think there are funny girls out there. And there are funny girls on TV. Sarah Millican's a good example, actually. Um, Sarah Millican has won the Amused Goose competition. Um, conspiracy theorists like myself would have it that she only won it because she'd won all the other comedy competitions that year. And the Amused Moose wanted to ride on her coattails. Because usually it's a 25-year-old handsome young middle-class boy that wins it. Um, but very, very funny lady. So she, did she come through the open mic circuit then? I believe she did, yeah. I believe she did. Um, she did for two or three years the, the, the open mic route. Not the London circuit, as I, as I understand it. I think she started off in the north of England. Um, and interestingly enough, quite a few northern comics have come through um, who've never done London gigs as well. That's quite interesting. Yeah, and let me give you another example of somebody um, whose dad wasn't on telly. Um, Peter Kay. Really? Yeah, uh, never done open mic gigs. Dad not on telly. Hugely successful. £20 million last year, I think he earned. Really? But just a very funny guy. Definitely. All righty. Um, Okay, we'll go back to the studio now, unless there's anything else anyone would like to add. Any other collective members here like to say anything? No. That appears to be a no. Yeah, all right, uh, back to the studio. So far, so bad. Now, you've probably made one or two observations at this point. I sound quite drunk, um, and so does Michael. Uh, For the record, Michael drank one pint of cider that night, and I have a cold. And, and I was drunk.
Right, so straight away we're off on the hobby horse of Michael McIntyre. It's very fashionable to slate Michael McIntyre. Michael McIntyre might be a posh middle-class twit. Michael McIntyre's dad may have written material for Kenny Everett and worked in telly and blah de blah blah Michael McIntyre might be a public school boy. Michael McIntyre might do an annoying little dance. But I have it on good authority that Michael McIntyre worked his fucking bollocks off to get where he is today. He did gig after gig after gig up and down the country, bankrupted himself. So um, I think uh, I might have to disagree with Michael on that one. No, not Michael McIntyre, Michael Daly, the member of the cunt collective who turned up to this fucking event. And before we go back to the channels, let me just say this. The reason you all hate Michael McIntyre is because he's fucking popular. He's on telly, he's earning £20 million a year, he's selling out fucking stadiums, and you're doing shitty gigs in pub basements for no fucking money. So I don't give a shit if you're right on. I don't give a shit if you're hard and straight and cool. I don't give a monkey's cock if populist comedy is hack in your book. It makes money. It pays his bills, and it's bought his £5 million house in Hampstead. You're not him, and you're fucking jealous. Let's go back to the pub. Yeah, I think what uh, Michael and I have just been talking about sort of begs the question, um, stand-up comedy, is it self-indulgent? I think definitely it is. I think it's about um, your ego. It's about um, wanting uh, respect, if you like. Uh, it's about wanting people's approval, continuous approval that you are indeed funny. Right, so so when you first started, what was it like? When I first started uh, the open mic circuit, it was slightly different to how it is now. Um, you could go somewhere and you'd see 18 comedians, each walking up to the mic with a pint in hand, telling very similar gags. Right, but was it all, oh, me, 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 I'm from a shit town, I look like a famous person, me, 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 this is all about me, it's self-indulgent. Or was it, you know, was it sort of valuable and insightful and worthwhile for the rest of humanity? I think you've hit the nail on the head. It was a lot like that. It has changed, I'd say, slightly now. Now you, you, uh, you usually get one guy with a pint walk up and talk about himself. Yeah, I think one of the things that's... Um, really not endearing about stand-ups is they talk about them fucking selves all the time you know and who gives a shit you know who cares about you all i care about is me you know i'm the same as you but i'm not fucking standing up and preaching about it you know what's your game pal i suppose that's why um some have got very popular with this observational comedy stuff which is then not so much uh, personal, not so personal. Yeah, it's that kind of shared experience. Um, oh, oh, uh, have you ever noticed? Uh, you know, when you when you present your oyster card on the bus, uh, am I right? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about tubes. Yeah, it's kind of oyster cards, buses, night buses, tubes, stuff like that. Um, I think the laughter comes from recognition. It's like, oh yeah, I've done that. I suppose then you're halfway there with getting a laugh before before you've actually even said your line. Yeah, it's the, um, you know, oh, I can observe things. Listen to me, everyone, because I can observe things that are universal that you have observed. 
I think really more comedians should be employed by the Secret Service because they actually notice a hell of a lot of shit that obviously nobody else does. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And a lot, a lot of the stuff that they notice is kind of really worth noticing as well. Have you noticed that? It can be very mundane. Yeah, yeah. But people laugh at that. And do you know what? The weirdest heckle I've ever had is, you're old? This fucking little twat, right? I was on stage and, and his heckle was, you're old? And his mates went, <laughs> as if it was the funniest fucking thing they've ever, ever heard. And I just thought to myself, this is observational comedy at its finest. A 20-something-year-old pube has just called a 40-something-year-old man old and his pals are fucking wetting their pants. This is comedy. What do you think of that, Michael? I think you should have just said, and you're a cunt. Well, I think I probably did. And, and then some other stuff. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what made his people laugh. I mean, I, I don't see what's funny about, about that. If you look at this scene now, uh, that is something to be said for, for the comedy scene at the moment. That is not uh, prejudiced against age. There are a lot of older comedians on the scene. That, they're not just ones that have been doing it for years. They are quite new to the scene, but they are a certain age now. And that's male and female. Yeah, I, I've, never, I've never thought comedy was... Um, you know, I, I never thought comedy was exclusive. I always thought it was a meritocracy. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white, young or old, fat or thin, gay, straight, you know, female, male, whatever. If you're funny, you're funny. And, you know, I've always thought that that's how comedy is. Uh, the, the only thing is with being an older man, like myself, for example, I grew up, uh, my first comedy experiences were in Northern Working Men's Clubs where the jokes in the 80s were sexist, racist, homophobic, you name it-ist. Um, and, you know, you, you, that shit doesn't fly anymore. Well, it might do for Roy Chubby Brownie in Blackpool, and he might sell out a whole fucking season. But, you know, you can't do that in London. Um, and I think maybe that one, one uh, handicap of being an older comedian is you've grown up laughing at... Um, that kind of material that can't be done anymore. Have you have you experienced anything like that? Um, as much as I used to enjoy that style, I think that I've I've moved forward with how comedy itself has progressed. I mean, in the mid '80s, comedy was very political with Ben Elton, people like that, and and that's what everybody found funny then. So comedy is always going to be moving on and changing. Yeah, but, you know, Ben Elton was like, give me a cheer if you hate the Tories. I think he was a lot more than that. I think he was very clever. If, if you look, if you see a recent clip of him, don't judge him on that. <laughs> he's, he's not particularly very good now because he himself has got stuck in the 80s. So he should have moved on to whatever comedy is now. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue I had is in the 80s, I lived in a, a mining town in the north of England where um, socialists wore donkey jackets and breathed coal dust. And you had these Oxbridge fucking uh, middle-class, wealthy, privileged children um, going, yeah, give us a cheer if you hate Thatcher. And to me, the, there was nothing fucking socialist about any of them. 
You know, none of them had a donkey jacket. None of them had dirty hands. None of them had breathed coal dust. And, you know, to me, they were all fucking pretenders. Um, so no genuine working class comedians then? Well, you know, I, I, I was kind of astounded by the fact that they were like, oh, yeah, we're right on, we're left wing, we're red wedge. But they were all fucking middle class Oxbridge. And they were like, oh, my dad earns so much money. It's like so wrong. Oh, God, I mean, my dad, I mean, I hate him. I really hate my father. I mean, he just, he just earns so much money. And there's like so many like poor people in the world. And you just think, do you have any fucking idea what it's like to be a real fucking socialist, you cunt? So basically they could afford to be a working class comedian. Well, I think the thing is you, you can have the luxury of socialism. If you're a very wealthy person, if you've got more than enough money to take care of yourself, yes, you can give a shit about uh, starving people, hungry people, uh, gays, lesbians, uh, female comedians, you know, and other minorities. But, you know, if, if you're actually at the coal face, as it were, um, you know, you, you don't, all you care about is keeping your fucking job. You know, your 50 hours a week down pit that's killing you of emphysema. Different world, isn't it? Different world, really. Completely. <laughs> I think I might, have, uh, I might have killed this conversation. Michael's from Windsor, after all. Um, no coal mines in Windsor. Funnily enough, my dad did work at a coal mine um, when he came out of the RAF. Um, although he wasn't down at the pit, he was uh, above ground. But he wasn't a collier. A collier actually means you cut the coal, whereas a miner just means you worked at a mine, to get very technical about it. Uh, Michael's gesturing at this point. <laughs> I'm using the scissor symbol. He's doing some physical comedy um, for, for the benefit of the... We'll probably edit this bit out anyway. But, um, oh, yeah, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Michael, is joke thieves. Um, there's a lot of people that do stuff that you think, hang on, I've heard a variation of this before. And I mean, are these people going on Cicopedia? Are they Googling jokes? changing the setup a little bit or adding a sentence before the punchline or are they just genuinely sitting down and because they're doing wordplay because they're doing puns writing the same as several other comedians uh, I think there's a bit of both a lot of gags that I do see on the circuit I have seen word for word on Cicopedia or, or even Twitter um, like you said wordplay you can give them the benefit of the doubt that they could have arrived at the same punchline as somebody else but I think it's 50-50 yeah I mean I've got a couple of books pretty good books on on writing for stand-up and a lot of them are start with a punchline and work backwards and certainly if you're doing puns it's very easy to come up with the same pun as everyone else who's writing a pun but I think that the worst thing you can do is try and do a topical pun so if you look at the news this week, um, you pick out the four or five main stories, like, um, you know, whatever the news topics are this week, you sit down, I'm going to guarantee you will write the same puns as anyone else who's writing about those news stories. You will end up as the same pun as the news headlines will the next day. But a way around it is to think up more than one pun for the topical story of the day. Get one, two, three, four jokes your fourth one will maybe be 
original and different to everybody else's. The, th the first three will be really obvious. Yeah, but have you um, have you encountered anyone on the circuit who you think you look at you hear him and you think or her and you just think joke thief? No, I don't. You don't seriously. No, you've never encountered anyone and you've thought, oh, that's uh, that's so and so, that's Chubby Brown, that's fucking. You know, that's whoever. That's Colin Manford. Colin Manford? Jason Manford? Who's Colin Manford? Yeah, that's Lena. Oh, you never met anyone on the circuit and you thought, yeah, I've heard all these jokes before from other comedians. You never. Some of the newbies, I've thought, they've got a bumper book of jokes for Christmas. That's slightly different. People that have been on there a few years, you, you hear a joke that you've heard before, but you, you couldn't say who did it first or where you heard it. But you might think that joke, you know that joke. I think maybe uh, the reason that people have stopped doing jokes and gone into the observational storytelling shtick is because you can't write the same. You can't write topical gags, you can't write puns, you can't do wordplay without writing the same as everyone else. Um, observational stuff can still sound like somebody else if you talk about a subject that is common to people like as we were talking earlier about the tube you'll end up with the same gags like there's one about the guy who puts his oyster card in a cane loads of people did that gag yeah and one of my favorites is the seek assistance one and the man with a turban appears I think that's a brilliant gag um, but I've heard at least three new comics do the seek assistance joke have you heard that one don't know that one I've not heard that one that's no, great it's like I put my Oyster card, the barriers didn't open, it said seek assistance, and a man with a turban appeared. That is quite funny. It's a great gag, but... Funny the first time you hear it. Yeah, when you've heard three or four new comedians doing the same gag, like, have you all sat down and wrote the same thing, or have you maybe heard this? I'll tell you another thing I've done. Uh, being a, a fan of the, the booze, um, I've gone to quite a few gigs, drunk quite a lot of alcohol, the following day sat down to write material written new material in inverted commas thinking fuck me I'm a comedic genius and then found uh, to my discontent that actually that material was performed the night before when I was pissed I, I've not had that but what, what I have had um, I used to do a joke around the um, I can't believe it's not butter um, I had a gag about that which I'd been doing for about two years and then somebody shouted out once that's a Milton Jones gag and uh, everybody sort of they, they, they turned against me basically it was oh and all that sort of thing and then uh, they said oh Milton were, Jones. were they comedians uh, it was more audience members that did it, but what actually was quite nice, they somebody shouted out, oh, Milton Jones did that about two months ago. Yeah. The promoter actually said, Mike's been coming here for two years and he's been doing that same gag. Yeah, yeah well, that's the thing. I mean, Milton Jones writes wordplay gags. He sits down for four hours every day and writes wordplay gags. So chances are anyone who's writing wordplay gags is going to write something that Milton Jones has written, I think. That, that is exactly what happened because as I said it was just a variation on I can't believe it's not butter and it actually was 
I can't believe it's not better. So yeah. it's very easy to do. Yeah, that actually is a Milton Jones gag, you cunt. <laughs> Three years ago I did it. <laughs> you fucking cunt. Probably four years ago. You joke thief cunt. <laughs> Shows you how long I've been doing it. Fuck you. Nobody book this cunt. He's a fucking Milton joke thief. He's a Milton Jones thief. There's some wordplay there. And there you have it, dear Sodcast listeners, the final Sodcast of 2013. A Christmas special with a very special guest from the Comedy Cunt Collective, Mr. Michael Daly. Go and see him live. You'll find him at any comedy bin. (laughs) Any old manky pub seller. (laughs) And he's also available on the Comedy Cunt Collective. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed it. Uh, I probably enjoyed it more than you because I was very, very drunk during most of it. Thanks again for tuning in to the Shawnee Comedy Sodcast. If you'd like more Sodcasts in 2014, please join the Comedy Cunt Collective. Message me, let me know what subjects you'd like me to discuss and what celebrities, alive or dead, you'd like to have on future programmes. Until next time on another Sodcast, peace out, homies. S to the E to the A to the N, I to the E dot com, signing off.